Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan, joined by Will Schroeder, CEO and founder of Startups.com. Will, we're digging into an interesting one today. We've got uh, we've got this situation that you and I have both faced, and we certainly hear it from the thousands of founders that we talk to on an annual basis. I no longer love my startup like I used to, <laughs> and I don't know what to do about it. It's kind of true, though. Yeah, I mean... I think we have a few situations that we ultimately deal with. And I think some of us have been there in different stages of our business. There's one stage where I've just been doing this too long, right? I mean, (laughs) the startup was great. It's a cool startup, whatever. Yeah. I've just been doing it too long. Another version is the startup itself is actually just kind of boring. And I mean, I can give some examples of where I've been through that myself, but you just, you know, it was kind of cool when it started. It was novel. It's not novel anymore. Another version is startups fine. Everything's good. I'm kind of tired of not making money anymore. <laughs> I'm just kind of at a point where, <laughs> yep. like, you know, the, the novelty of 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 startup life just has caught up to the the not novelty of regular life, and I'm ready to bail. But I think no matter what the situation, and there are many, it all comes back to what do I do about it? And I think it's worth digging into today. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what, what do you think the first, what, what are some of the early indicators, right? Because I, I know that it's it's easy to diagnose once you're you're sort of fully there and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. But what do you think the, what are the early harbingers of doom that were on that path? It's like any relationship. I think you know it when something is off or said differently, you wouldn't be having these thoughts if everything were on. I think- right. You wake up in the morning, and the moment you wake up, your first thoughts in the morning aren't, I can't wait to get into my startup. It's, uh, I got to do my startup. <laughs> I think that's with, with any relationship, you know, with yeah. your job, et cetera. Yeah. The moment you feel that in your gut that something is just off, it's broken. It's kind of that simple. Yeah. And, and I've, I've never yeah. seen a version that looks something different. No, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I'd say that once you start to have that feeling, I was just wondering, are there any other things that we could we kind of pick up on early keys, other other indicators? Um, you know, I, I've often found that before I realize that I'm disinterested in something, my interests just start to pick up somewhere else. I was just which is a bit different, same, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It used yeah, to be so I, on Sunday night, I'd run to my computer and try to plan for the week ahead because I was super excited about what I was going to do. And now on Sunday night, I've still forgotten that I run a startup or I just don't want to think about it anymore. You know what I mean? Right. And yeah. I, I think what's challenging for all of us uh, as, as founders is this isn't just a job for us. This isn't just something where we're clocking in and, and getting paid for something. Usually we're not getting paid anything. For yeah, us, right. it's so much more personal. It's it, we, we always make the slightly tortured analogy of it's like creating your own child. Now, Ryan, you and I have children. I like to believe that it's a very different experience, but it's something you've created. It's very much a part of you. It's yours. And to lose interest in that metaphorical child, I think creates a deep sense of guilt. And I think that's that's where these challenges start. I'm not allowed to lose interest in something that I created. And I, 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 that concerns me a lot. 
the, the child analogy is good here because you're not allowed to lose interest in them either. You're certainly not allowed to talk about it, right? You're not allowed to feel that way. And you're like, you know, I just really don't like this third one. Like, he's just, he's not as cool as the other two. Well, it, right? it, it is probably so, true. <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I think, I think that's part of it though. When I talk to founders and I can hear them implying that they're kind of bored, they don't mind saying they're burnt out, but it's hard yes. to say, my startup just isn't that cool anymore. It's hard to yeah. say that because it's yours. You're you're used to uh, fighting for it. You're used to promoting it. You're used to saying, telling everybody, people you want to uh, get on as investors or employees or trying to get the media's attention that this thing is great. It's hard to for reverse sure. course. It is, and and there's a big difference between those two things too, right? Like I I we often run into people that are that are expressing feelings of burnout. And that's even sometimes used as a badge of honor. You're like, oh man, I'm so burnt out. I.e., I'm working my tail off. I'm putting in long hours. I'm doing everything I can. I'm thinking about this constantly. I'm just out of energy, right? There's a huge difference between that and I have energy. I just don't want to spend it here anymore, right? It's not me. It's you. <laughs> that's <laughs> the much harder conversation to have. And you know, the example we gave. You know, I think we wrote a short article about this. Was I love pizza. I absolutely, absolutely, absolutely love yes, you pizza. Do. Yes, and, you do. And my, my waistline suggests as much. However, <laughs> however, it doesn't mean I like pizza all the time for every meal. At some point, I may just decide I want to try something else. You know, maybe I've just been doing this one thing for so long and it was cool for a while, but I want to go do something else. That's not yeah. unreasonable. I'll give an example. I'll give no, you a no. few examples. And, and Ryan, you were here for these. Over the past few years at startups.com, we've acquired a bunch of venture-funded companies, some great companies. Within that, though, none of the founders are here. You know, a lot of, not a lot of people know that. Uh, when we did each of the acquisitions, we did a total of six. None of the founders came on board with the acquisition. Right. That was a very deliberate yep. decision. What folks don't know is what that conversation looked like with those founders heading into these decisions, and into these acquisitions, rather. Here's kind of how it went. And Ryan, I remember you and I talked about this. Hey, I love what we built out of Insert Company, but I kind of want to go do something else. Yeah. And I feel like I'm kind of trapped in this a little bit. And if we do this acquisition, obviously you're going to expect us to come on board with you. And I don't know if I'm ready to do another two to three years of this. And Ryan, what was our answer to that? Let us stop you right there. This wasn't an invitation for you to come hang out with us. This was an invitation for you to sell us your company. Yeah. And you are excused at the point of sale. Yeah. Yeah. It was the same every time. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, it was, it was funny because there was a sense of relief, right? In, in a yes. lot of cases, they were like, oh. Yes. And I think for the founders... Uh, what they what they may have forgotten about for a minute, we quickly reminded them, is that they're selling to founders, particularly yeah. founders who really care a lot about other startup founders. Yep. And by way of that, our part of the discussion was, look, of course you're bored, right? And that's kind of why we're sitting here. If you wanted to do nothing but this, you'd be doing it. We would be having this discussion. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And our answer every time early in the conversation was, please, for the love of God, Go do something else. Go do something that you care about way more yeah. than this. And yeah. I think it, it it let them off the hook, but it was the first time someone else had given them permission to be okay with letting it go. 
And I thought that was really it's amazing. It's amazing how often we come back to that word permission, right? I, it, it has to have appeared Absolutely. in probably 30% of our episodes because often in a startup, you're the only one who can give yourself permission and you don't feel comfortable doing that. So when you do find a scenario where a third party, particularly another founder gives you that opening and says, it's okay to do that. The amount of relief and release that gives to that founder is astounding. Yeah. And I think it's okay to say, I'm bored with my startup. It's okay to say this idea was cool, but I'm just not that into it anymore. The problem is we're usually not in a position where we can untether ourselves from it. We're essentially the captains that have to ride this thing to the bottom of the ocean. (laughs) Everyone else can quit. We can't. And I think that's where this feeling of guilt combined with this feeling of being trapped starts to fester and creates a really big problem that kind of manifests into a bit of helplessness. And that, that really concerns me as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at that point, the, the, the founder is on this path towards total despair and, you know, just even being on that road is awful. But then once you arrive at that point where you feel like I don't want to spend my energy on this, let's be honest, like once you've made that, once you've turned that corner, and you no longer want to put your energy into it. You've done whatever you could to try to reignite your passion around it or not, but for whatever reason, it's not there. It's so hard to push energy into something like that. And then you couple that with feeling incredibly trapped so that you don't want to spend your energy, but you're not allowed to go spend it anywhere else. You just get this weird mix of being completely drained on one hand, completely pent up on the other, and it's just a disaster for the founders. And you and I have both gone through this and we've both watched countless founders go through this. Um, and funnily enough, like the real answer is just don't do that. <laughs> don't feel guilty about it. Let yourself have, you know, give yourself the permission. We're giving you the permission. If you're listening now and you're going through this, you have our permission. It's okay to be <laughs> bored. It's okay to say you're bored. Sure. It's okay sure. to not want to do it. It's also okay to not do it now. There are some circumstances that you probably need to put into place, some things that have to happen in order for it to be okay. You can't simply like, you know, as you said, you're you're the captain of the ship, you're driving the bus. You can't simply step off while it's still rolling. Right. <laughs> that, right not right. fair to everybody else involved. So let's talk about that. So what what are the what are your options? Like I wanna I wanna jump out of the driver's seat. How much do I have to slow this thing down? What do I have to do to make a a good transition for the company, the team, investors, customers, everybody involved? Well, I think the first step before you're getting into the actual how do I dismantle my, you know, either the org and or my relationship with it, I think the first thing we have to do is to figure out whether we are at, whether this is a trend or a blip as far as our relationship to the company. Yes. And, and I bring that up as a prelude to this because I think these things are often hard to uh, tell the difference from when you're in it. When I wake up in the morning and I say, I don't want to go to this startup, there might be a few reasons I feel that way. One of them could be, I'm tired of the anxiety that comes with being broke. That's fair. I mean, why wouldn't you be? Another one could be, I've just been working too hard. I've been been killing myself doing 80 hours a week or, or whatever your version of killing yourself is. Yeah, sure. And I'm just drained. You know, the energy bar is gone. And then there's another part, which is I actually just don't like the business that we're in, or I've done enough of it. To to put that in perspective, in in case you're thinking, boy, how could I ever do that? 
Jeff Bezos created the most transformative e-commerce platform and probably one of the greatest companies in our lifetimes. And he still got bored and launched rockets. Yeah. Elon Musk (laughs) built one of the most transformative electric car companies and he got bored. And also launched and rockets. rockets. Yeah, I mean, like there's an odd theme here. Apparently, apparently, you're one step away from launching rockets. But my 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 point is, look, man, the most successful, most accomplished people in the world still were bored enough with what they were doing on a primary basis to go do something else. It's natural. Again, most people are thinking, well, if things aren't going well, so I'm bored. Not necessarily. Sometimes. What you're doing just isn't what you're supposed to be doing. And that's yeah. okay. It's and okay. that's okay. But I think we have to be able to step back and say, before I make any rash decisions, before I say, hey, I, I need to make a hard life change, we need to figure out which problem we're actually addressing. Sure, sure. Because as you said, a lot of things can lead to this. And it's not necessarily just boredom. Right. You, you may just not want to do this for any number of reasons. Right. I can think of a handful of others like team toxicity. Right. If you just got yeah. a, you got a toxic team member or even a pervasively toxic culture, um, that's a big one. Um, and we've talked about this separately um, on, on another episode entirely. And that's that can be a big issue and that can lead to disinterest or not wanting to be in the startup or not wanting to be around it. Um, another one is that the organization grows in a way that you no longer represent the same thing to the organization that you used to, right? You're, you, you may have, you know, it may have grown to the point where now operations is far more important than vision yeah. and that's not your thing, right? And so just what is required of you changes over time and therefore your interest may, right? If all of a sudden it becomes like, you know, this, the, the, the key to success is great financial planning from this point forward. It's just a finance function. We got to figure out how to make the most of our money as we move forward. And that's going to be it. If that's not your thing. That's not your thing. You may not want to do that. So to your point, I think it's it's really important to to lean back a little bit and think about what are the factors that are, that are driving you away. And I think in, in a lot of cases, it's going to be more than one. It's going to be some confluence of, of events and, and, and factors that are pushing you back away from it. Um, sometimes those are reparable, sometimes they're not. Um, but absolutely uh, agree with you that if we're going to talk about options for bowing out or making major, major fundamental changes um, to our involvement in the business, we need to make really sure that we've we've done a thorough analysis as to why and what the likelihood is that this is something permanent versus you know a blip in the radar, something cyclical uh, that we can kind of work around. Yeah, because Ryan, I think that sometimes we'll be running this thing for so long that we'll forget that normal, rational people get breaks in what they do. <laughs> normal, <laughs> rational people I have like a vacation. That. Yeah. They, yes. they actually stop doing what they're going to do. They stop hurting themselves long enough to repair themselves. It, right. We're in a business where that's often a second thought or not a thought at all. And yeah. so... If I'm running for six years, seven years, and I'm like, I'm just bored of this business, you probably are. And and that's, again, probably rational. But if we dig a layer deeper, we may also say, when's the last time you took a two-week solid vacation? And you're probably going to say never, right? Or or it was tied to a family function or something like that. Or, you know, somebody, your brother got married or something silly like that. In other words, you didn't just be able to take a vacation where it was just full recharge. And I see that a lot. And, and I bring that up only because uh, 
it could be a blend of these things or one thing could be masking the other. And I'll give you a couple personal examples uh, that I've had where I've had the benefit now of retrospection to be able to say, was it this or that? When I was running uh, Blue Diesel, the ad agency, you know, we were growing quite a bit. We'd become a pretty big agency. We had probably about 600 people at the time. And I remember walking into work and it was, it was beginning of August. I remember plain as day. I remember walking to work and we just constructed these two huge 100,000 square foot buildings, you know, a, a monument to our success or whatever. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I don't want to walk in the door. I, I don't, I don't want to do my job anymore. And that's a bit of a problem, you know, when, when you're running the company. And a little bit. I, I couldn't understand why. I was really confused. And I, I was young. I was probably 26 maybe. And what I realized in retrospect and what I realize now is I just didn't want to be doing that job. I didn't dislike the company. I didn't dislike the people. I didn't necessarily dislike the business. I just didn't want to be the manager of a company. I yeah. wanted to be doing something more interesting. And I was I was in, about to go into 12 hours of meetings about upcoming meetings. Yeah. And that just sucked. Now, unfortunately, I would say I didn't handle it well. And, and let me just kind of break this out because it'll serve maybe as a little bit of a structure for uh, how we talk about this. I didn't handle it well because I couldn't decouple. I just don't want to be doing this job with I don't want to be doing this company anymore. Sure. If, if I had a little bit more wisdom or if I had better mentorship at the time, my guess is I could have said I need to find another role in the company to get restarted. And, and if I'm really being honest with myself, I need a friggin' vacation. I need, I need a sabbatical. I need way more than a vacation. I need yeah. probably six months off at that point where I just did a hard reset and said, let me just see where I still fit in the organization. I mean, I, I needed a much different approach, but that's not the approach I took. The approach I took was, I don't like this. I don't want to be here. How do I get out? Yeah. And, and, and again, I'm bringing this up because I was addressing some of the wrong symptoms. And it's, it, it's not uncommon, right? This is one of the scenarios that I brought up earlier, which is that now your relationship to the company has changed. But, and in your case, I, I know for a fact, the, the way it changed was over time. It wasn't as if there was some cataclysmic event right. and now I'm in a different role that I don't like. Things it's a bit well. of the boiled, it's the boiled frog syndrome, right? It's, it. it's, it's changing slowly over time. It doesn't, you don't feel it. It creeps up on you. And then all of a sudden you realize you don't want to be doing what you're doing. And I think this is part of why it, it, I don't think it was lack of, of wisdom. I mean, of course, now that you've been through it, you can, you can look back on it. But at the time, it would have been hard for you to see because you hadn't intentionally changed your role to that. Right. And I think that puts founders in this position where we feel like because I'm now doing something entirely different without any intention of my own to have arrived at this point, it makes you feel like you don't have the power to change it to something else. Yes. It's sort of like, do I just ride it out and wait till it changes into something better? Because it changed into something bad. Maybe if I wait long enough. And then this is where you end up in that that being kind of controlled by the guilt, being, you know, feeling a bit powerless. And, and that's a horrible situation. Um, and the other piece, which is, is absolutely true for most founders is the, the one that you brought up about not taking a break, not giving ourselves any rest, not allowing a recharge. You know, when I call Tom Brady on a Monday morning and I say, Hey Tom, what'd you do yesterday? And he's like, I won the Super Bowl." 
And then I ask him, what are you doing today? You know what Tom Brady never tells me? I'm, I'm playing in the Super Bowl. You just don't do that, right? We're the only people in the world that put ourselves through this over and over and over right. and never think to take a break and go to Disneyland. Right. And I don't right. know why, but that's, it's, it's average, right? This is par for the course, what we all do. Yeah, it's nuts. And when I think back again, I'm thinking through progressions. Having done nine different companies, I'm thinking about how the different companies ended the next company I'm running is a company called Swapalease.com. It was uh, it allowed people to get in and out of car leases. And after a few years, I mean, this thing grew so fast. After a few years, this is circa 2001, 2002, um, we were doing about a billion dollars in car lease transfers, which sounds like a lot, but car leases are worth a lot. So doing billions doesn't really mean much, but it was still a good, healthy business. And I woke up one day and I said, I don't give a shit about doing car lease transfers. <laughs> and I can't get excited about it. I just, I yeah. just can't, right? Like, yeah. it was. I'm so glad we created this thing that helped a ton of people. It was a cool service, great business, you know, good, healthy business, whatever. I just don't care about the product. I, I, I'm not right. sure how I could. I, I, I'm a very passionate, creative person. I don't know how I was going to jump out of bed saying, I cannot wait to transfer somebody's car lease today, right? I just <laughs> couldn't get there. <laughs> and, and, and at that moment, I'm like, I'm out. Yeah. And... Did I feel guilty? I did. Because one minute, I'm sitting there pitching the business, talking about how it's the future of something, and I'm trying to get other people to get excited about that vision. Yeah. And the next minute, I'm abandoning the vision that I helped create. And that made me feel incredibly guilty. It made me feel like I, I can't leave because I've, I've locked myself into something. And I think this is where the self-imposed jail starts to become very real. And 100%. I think... And, and founders often forget we can quit. I mean, we can quit in different ways, but we can quit. And by quit, I don't mean give up. I mean, quit as in stop doing shit we don't want to do. Yeah. Well, we did an entire episode on that, right? It was it was one of the keys to our happiness in running startups.com was that we stopped doing things we didn't want to do anymore. Um, we also did an entire an entire podcast on feeling like a founder fraud, um, and we didn't talk about this scenario in particular, but this one that you just described, where you know you you walk into a meeting, you got to get everybody hyped up and feeling great about you know this is the future of how leases will get transferred. This is all the stuff we're doing, and you walk out of that meeting going, yeah, but I don't want to do any of that shit, right? Talk about a trigger for feeling like a founder fraud. Y you're you're literally two faced at that point, right? And it does not feel good at all. Yeah, and and I think that at some point we have to be honest with where we actually stand with these feelings and which which situation or which combination of feelings we're actually trying to address. And again, I can't help but, but bring up over and over, it's usually a combination of these. It's not just one. It's not just, hey, the startup is boring. It's also, and I'm, I'm burnt out, and I'm tired of losing money. Yes. And I'm yeah. tired of working with these people and I'm tired of working with these clients and yeah, like, and we need to do something about it. So I think it's safe to say, let's talk about what to do about it. Yeah. What are our options? Well, let's start with this. You have options. We always think that we're painted into a corner. Hey, I started this thing. I have no options. That's bullshit. You, you have options. It's how willing are you to put those options into practice? Sure and, sure. and so often the first option is to figure out who else could be doing your job. Here's where people screw this up. They say, I'm going to leave the company. I need to find a person to do my job. 
If you can, wonderful. I tried it. I I succeeded never, to be clear. (laughs) I've tried it so many (laughs) times. I've never succeeded at it. I've tried it probably among four different companies. I've tried it... um, uh, I mean, just I, I can go on and on and on. It's not easy to do. This isn't like, hey, I'm just swapping out somebody on the customer service team. This is, I'm trying to swap DNA, responsibility, vision, all of these things that aren't, that don't just show up in your LinkedIn profile. Right, right, right. So the first thing I always tell folks is if you're thinking about how to eject from this thing, it's not about replacing you per se, ultimately it will be. It's about how does the rest of the team fill in? And I think when you take a, a, a broader approach like that, it starts to become a lot more palatable. And by the way, that's if you have a team. If you're one person running the thing, it's fairly binary. It's either you or it's not. And it's also a lot easier to make the decision to shut it down or, or to bow out if there's just you, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A lot of the guilt comes from letting the team down, letting the investors down, letting the customers down, right? If it's if you're early on and, and it's just you, um, you know, maybe you got some revenue, maybe you don't. It's, it's a far... Uh, lower pressure situation. Not everybody else is going to want to sign up for your vision or your version of where the company stands or your version of this or your version of that. What I've seen a lot of folks do, myself included, is they're trying to get a carbon copy of themselves. The DNA, the passion, the way I would play it, etc. And they're just looking for a multiplicity version of themselves where they plug that person in and they go do something else. And it sort of it works doesn't... out kind of like that, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it works out exactly <laughs> like that, right? It like, doesn't the, go The well. third replacement's now got pizza in his wallet, and he's, <laughs> he'll only answer questions if you feed him Coke, right? <laughs> such a good so, movie. Such a good movie. Uh, but here's the thing. I think the, the, the first step is just being very honest that I need to get out of this thing. I think that's the hardest part of all of this, is that we, we don't want to make that admission that this thing is broken for us for whatever reason. And the reasons can all be valid. But just saying, look, I need to make a hard cut. Most founders I know that probably should be making the hard cut just refuse to do it. Somewhere between pride and guilt and opportunity and all of these things, they they just get deadlocked in it. And I was too. I tried on numerous occasions to find someone else to run a company for me, and it never worked. I found great people. They're good friends of mine. It just never, ever, ever worked. Where I made the mistake is I kept trying to replace myself with one person. So bringing back to this. What I would have done in retrospect is I would have tried to figure out first how to level up all the people that are part of the organization to give them 20 to 30% more responsibility. Yes. Basically to spread the load. Yep. And this is where I think it gets interesting. And I think in another episode, we might've talked about this, about like basically how to replace myself or you know, someone else should be doing this. And it's, it's all the same things apply. But I think the first thing to do is start to not jump out right away. Just say, hey, it's a hard cut. I'm, I'm out of here. It's to start to say, let me try to push as much responsibility onto the folks of other uh, other parts of the organization, ideally reward them accordingly, and try to get 20, 30, 50% of the the burden off of my shoulders and see how that feels. Maybe that's where I'm stuck. Heaven forbid I try to replace myself or shut down the organization only to come to find later that actually the issue is I just needed less workload. Imagine that. 
Yeah, and we talked about a lot of these things in that other episode as well. You know, different different ways that you can you can kind of load balance and and have logical people to take on additional responsibility. And you know, it's funny we don't think about it this way, but as that company grows, you know, we start off as being responsible for everything, and and so there is there's some degree of kind of planned atrophy here where you have to, yeah. as the company grows, as a founder, you're consistently handing pieces of that responsibility off. What's interesting is that there's probably a way to, to map that to some of these issues we're having, like founder boredom or, or burnout, depending on what we hand off, right? Sometimes we hand things off opportunistically based on who's on the team that can take it on rather than I'd like to get rid of this because I don't want to do it. And sometimes what you end up doing is giving away all the good tasks, things you enjoy doing, and you're stuck with the shit that's left over. Right. <laughs> and so right. being a little more careful about how we go through this atrophy um, could, could actually be highly beneficial to keeping us out of the situation. Um, but if you're already there, understand that this is kind of a natural part of founder growth is that you have to start to shed some of the responsibilities. You can't hold on to everything. Um, and certainly if you're, if you're actually trying to extricate yourself from the business, you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to divide those tasks out, give them to people across the organization, um, kind of opportunistically or, you know, based on their skill sets. Um, and you may have to bring in some additional resources to cover it, but to your point, trying to do that with a, with a, a one shot, one kill, bringing in, you know, your, your one person replacement, extremely, extremely difficult unless you're Mark Zuckerberg and data from next generation happens to be available. <laughs> That's so true. Every time I see him, that's exactly what I see now. Still one of my favorite memes. I oh, God, so perfect. Uh, but here's what I think. I think when I start to get burnt out, and again, this this episode isn't about burnt out. It's saying I lost interest. I don't yes. want to do this startup. Yep. Regardless, we often still have a stake in the startup, so we have some skin in the game, so we have to be very mindful about how we start to separate ourselves. It is possible in some cases to do less of the work if possible, we can, you know, shoulder, you know, move that over to some other folks. Yeah, yeah. It may be the case, too, that it's not that I want to go do another startup. Like, I kind of like what I'm doing here, or I, I like I like the fact that I like the team, I like some other parts. I'm just, again, a little bit fried on this concept. If I was still at Swapolis, and I was feeling the same way, or if I was still at Blue Diesel, and I was feeling the same way, what I would have done is I would have tried to find some other way to spend 50% of my time, right? I've gone, done a hobby. I would have done anything else to try to just get my head out of this thing for a while so I could recharge a little bit. When I was at Blue Diesel, 600 people. I mean, there's plenty of other people to do my job. I'm long since gone. I've gone there for 20 years. Uh, They've got like 20,000 people there or something like that now. Trust me, there's plenty of other people there that could do my job a hell of a lot better and in, in, in half. And so in my mind, all I really needed was an opportunity to go do anything else. And I think uh, assigning some of the workload is one way to do that. Another way, of course, is to bring in someone wholesale. Because I, I want to point out, in a lot of cases, this isn't just about you personally. Hey, I, I've lost interest. I'm out. It's about how do I make sure the organization is okay while I go do something else? Yes, yes. And in that case, when we're looking for someone else to fill in for us, 
it's possible to say that this is basically a temporary role that we'd like to make permanent. It doesn't have to be, I have to find somebody to absolutely take over all duties right away. They uh, take over the presidency. I write a nice letter and I'm gone. It doesn't have to be that. It can be done incrementally and I think it should in order for the organization to kind of absorb the change. I also think on the flip side, if I'm the person trying to kind of step my way out, I need to make some deliberate decisions about where my time is about to go. So for example, uh, at startups.com, I'm the CEO of startups. If I were to say, hey, I'm looking to kind of make my way out and I said, hey, Ryan, would, would you mind taking over as CEO? I think it would make sense for us to say, here's a timeline where I'm going to start to hand off more and more duties. But at the same time, I should say, if, if not to you, then at least to myself, here's what I'm going to go do. <laughs> right? Yes. You know, here's my plan for doing other shit. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's incredibly important. It is. And, and it's actually one of the steps that we see people miss all the time. And then they they get out of boredom and they just go into like free fall. And, and you and I can both cite some examples. We will not, but we can both cite some examples where we've watched people go like damn near batshit crazy uh, yes. because now they're out, which is what they wanted. And now they don't know what to do with themselves. So they start doing really strange thing. Like they just, they go off the rails, right? They, they, they lost their grounding factor in the universe. And now they're just swinging around. Don't know what to do. When I talk to folks and I say, look, I understand what you're running from. What I want to ask is what are you running to? Yes, yes, yes. More often than not, folks don't have an answer for that. You know, by the way, again, we were just drawing some parallels here. This often happens in relationships. You want out of the bad relationship, but you don't really know what you want in the next relationship. And so you wind up kind of this in, in this, this amorphous region in between where you're not in a relationship, you know, you're, not, you're away from the bad relationship, but you're not in a good new relationship either. And that's yeah. you know, a whole other set of challenges. Yes. And I think the same applies here. I think people are saying, I'm so busy trying to get out of this. I don't know what I want to get to. And I, I think that's dangerous. Because if you don't have some other way to fill that time or fill that interest or fill that energy, it's you're going to exacerbate the problem. Now you're not doing the thing that you started and you're not doing shit with your time otherwise. It's, yeah. it's, it's You dreadful. thought the guilt of wanting to leave was bad? The guilt of leaving and not doing something better with your time? Far, far worse. I, you know, I mentioned to you yesterday in Slack how I have no lack of friends who have gone on to sell their companies and have just driven themselves damn near insane because they don't know what else to do with their time. Yeah. Now, this, this discussion isn't about that. This isn't, I've lost interest in my startup and Jeff Bezos just bought it, right? <laughs> it's, it's definitely not a discussion. <laughs> right. Uh, we'll maybe have a different episode on that one. What we're saying is, I don't want to do this thing that's frustrating me, but I don't know where I want to put my time. So my only advice here, and I think, Ryan, what you and I are trying to convey here is, you have to have a place that you're going to not just a place you're going from. I think that's really, yes. really important. And I think you need to be very deliberate about how you express that, again, to yourself and to the team. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, in this in this situation, the the worst thing you can do is to do nothing, right? Um, and and I by that, I mean by taking no action while you're still in the startup. Um, if you do decide to uh, leave uh, or step back or reduce your time and you do nothing with that newly found time, just as dangerous. Uh, so for, for everyone involved, right? I think what what drives this is we don't have a good sense for what we're trying to move toward personally. 
Uh, and then, by the way, that thing you're trying to move toward doesn't necessarily have to be work. It could be personal. It could be, I just want yeah. time to go do something. Like, Ryan, you're enjoying jujitsu and soccer. I'm enjoying building stuff and carpentry. Uh, those are things we really enjoy doing that have nothing to do with our jobs. And actually, I think yes. that's that's why it works. I think that for a lot of folks, they stew on this and they say, I hate what I'm doing. I hate what I'm doing. I hate what I'm doing. But they don't get to a point where they're saying, if I don't do something about this, bad things are going to happen. They just right, say, if right, I don't right. do something about this, I'm going to continue to be bored and angry or, or whatever it is. And I don't, I think that's, the least important thing you should be concerned about in the short term, if you're not engaged on a plan to fix this, the organization is going to take a header. Yes. I, I've never seen a prosperous organization that involves the founders or the leadership checking out. I've, <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, yeah. I, I've yeah. seen companies, not at the startup stage, I've seen companies certainly that are well and mature and the founders long since checked out and, and he or she earned it at that point as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What I mean in the very formative stages, when you're still fighting for your supper, it's not the time to check out. With all these startups, no matter what happens, it's okay for our feelings about these startups to change. That's fine. It happens. What matters is what we actually do about it. That's a wrap for this episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan on behalf of my partner, Will Schroeder, and all the Startups.com family thanking you for joining us. And we hope you'll continue to join us. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or wherever you love to listen to Startup Therapy. You can find all of our episodes at startups.com slash podcast. If you're looking for more amazing resources to launch or grow your startup, be sure to head to startups.com and check out Startups Unlimited. It's everything we have to offer, from our online university to our amazing community of experts and founders, and even all the tools we've built like BizPlan, Fundable, and LaunchRock. It's everything a founder needs. Visit startups.com slash begin. That's startups.com slash B-E-G-I-N. You'll thank me later. Thank you.